0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
1: Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. Uh, Here from Snowy Happy Valley, I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz. A fresh episode of the podcast here for you. We got Brian Doan coming up, who's always a welcome guest. He's back to talk about a bunch of stuff, but most notably the 2023 Junior Day uh, class impact that we just saw Penn State put on. Hosting a bunch of players from the region, uh, from as far away as Florida, a lot to sort through there. Uh, We also, Sean, we spent last week talking about these changes. Penn State's official roster now up to speed on many of them. Some notable veterans who've logged a bunch of miles with the Nittany Lions, no longer featured on the roster. Ten new players are. Uh, What stands out to you right off first glance? Uh,
0: Let's see. We'll catch up on where we left off last time. Uh, Noah Kane and and Joseph Darkwa in the portal. So nothing nothing really surprising from those portal guys that aren't there. Of course, Norval Black, Des Holmes, Enzo Jennings, uh, the other scholarship guys. Uh, I guess you can include Tyler Rudolph in there um, of guys that aren't on the roster anymore. Uh, Roberson just signed with, uh, with UConn yesterday as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, not a ton of surprises. We've, we've talked about pretty much all of these guys. Um, I think what we take away is there's, there's two separate classes there for guys that are coming back. You've got Clifford coming back. You've, you've got, uh, Jonathan Sutherland, as we've talked about coming back and, and Chris Stoll, uh, an underrated aspect of that coming back as a long snapper. Um, you know, all those guys going to utilize their six years. And, and and then I think the conversation shifts to the guys that aren't going to use it, whether it's a sixth year or, f- or a fifth year, Um, In a case like Daniel George, uh, not not a ton of surprises. Aeneas Hawkins is going to retire. Cam Solomon Brown Daniel George not going to be back I don't think that's going to shock anybody Mike Miranda I think is the one that you look at and say is is he going to take a chance and and find another spot cuz it it wouldn't shock me at all if any of these guys popped up in the portal uh to find another season cuz I think they're you know you 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 kind of got your own category for NFL guys and then maybe borderline NFL guys or just not NFL guys so you've got Miranda you've got Anthony Wigan who doesn't appear to be an NFL guy Fred Hanser doesn't appear to be an NFL guy you just wonder if they if football is still in their future. So I think those are the those are the ones that you immediately look to as we open that roster. And then and then one surprise, uh I guess and not really a surprise. We talked about it on the podcast before we weren't sure if AJ Litton would be back. Um you know some some academic things at play there. Um he was not on the roster. You know, a program uh official confirmed he was no longer with the program. Not a huge surprise was not with the Outback Bowl uh played on mostly special teams there. So I think if you're looking through the roster If you follow the team closely and if you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you're following the team closely. Nothing really jumps out at you from uh, from the movement that was made this weekend.
1: I was thinking about this earlier at the down at the Outback Bowl, which feels like a distant memory, considering how frigid the temps are and have been here in State College, Sean. It's been it's been there seventeen was, days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it feels a lot longer. Uh, two guys were left uh, active for you at, out of that transfer group. We know that there was NFL aspirations involved there. Um, we talked about it before maybe some surprise with some decisions. So that was interesting. Um, and I spent some time last episode about Penn State, maybe not duplicating that splash at least thus far. In the transfer portal they only had two guys active left on that roster um now that we know aj wasn't available or, or or was on his way out um eric wilson and then john dixon it just that that was one particular part of the roster i don't really think i talked to, we talked about it enough during that that week it was just it was as if the roster uh, the transfer class never really existed after the regular season
0: yeah, I guess so. I mean, Dixon obviously playing the long game here, um, as he was brought in as a, as a redshirt sophomore. Um, yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, you've got, uh, you got guys like Derek Tangelo who's, who's out, out of eligibility anyway. Evikidi still had another year, but nobody expected him to use that, or knew that he was going to use that or anything like that. And Lovett has kind of just, uh, vanished, uh, up like dust in the wind. Um, so yeah, that, 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 uh, that transfer class, um, I think it, it, paid dividends in certain spots and, and others, you know, you just kind of, uh, expect that from a transfer. You know, you, you've got Eric Wilson who started 11 games, but I don't think blew anybody away, but at the same time, those 11 games are valuable or 12 games. I think it was, And think you may have missed the Rutgers game, um, with the, with the, uh, with the flu that was going around. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what you would expect from, from a number of those guys. You had that, you hit hard on some of those spots and you got, pretty much nothing from a couple of other spots i will argue that that litton was valuable i mean for a year he he you got yes. special teams gunner work out of it and, and and honestly if you're going down this rundown and seeing who's not on the roster anymore one name that jumps out at you is drew hartlob i mean he's not he, he eventually did earn a scholarship um but you're you're going to miss that guy next year and you're going to miss litton you know running down I'm, I'm gunners are are it's not an easy job you can you can find those guys but it's not an easy job to come in and and do right away as as we saw litton in the first game Um, but yeah, there's, there's certain roles for certain guys. Um, you know, you, you, you look at, what you got out of Ebikidi and Tangelo and you're thrilled with that. You look at what you got out with, with Wilson and you're content with that. You look what you got out of Love it, and you're a little bit disappointed. And then Litton, of course, uh, and and I think, again, we've said this before, Dixon's in another category, but Litton, you got a year out of special teams on him and you're not tying up a scholarship long-term. I know that sounds kind of cold-hearted, um, but that's kind of where you're at
1: right now in the portal generation anyway. And Linton ends up being on campus for what, about six months or, or so, if that um, moves on. I don't know what's next for him, uh, where it's going to be, but he does have some solid special teams to put together. I'd imagine some, some solid practice film. Um, he's, he's in a better place than he was coming into Penn State in terms of his football career, but it won't be here in Happy Valley. Uh, and, and we had plenty of people, whether it was on the message board or, or throwing in questions to the mailbag. It got a bit redundant with some of the questions we were getting, but, but about, um, about Mike Miranda and, and what was going to happen with him. Um, you know, was he going to be a guy that would come back and, or, and have the option to come back and play yet another season of football? We saw a lot of him at both guard positions, of course, settled in at center basically this entire year. Juice Scruggs was the guy late. We think he'll be the guy moving forward. Um, but but he's moving on here and and it's a hold of Phil, but it presents Phil Troutwine with another option. Here. We've talked about it. Who's going to play where? Uh, Anthony Wigan now out of the equation it would seem so the numbers are dwindling but at the same time if you if you're getting back a healthy Salim Wormley and hopefully that's what they are getting in the spring starting to get some clarity on exactly who's going to be in line for certain spots and what Phil Trown going to be working with it's not a list that's going to impress you uh, in terms of what guys have gone out and accomplished already and the guys who are experienced are going to have some of that stench of, of what we saw happen in 2021 attached to them until further notice um, but you're starting to see that sort itself out. And that includes the super senior here who was part of that conversation when we were talking about Sean Clifford and Jonathan Sutherland, uh, guys who are going to be back on campus.
0: Yeah, didn't really expect Miranda back. I think sometimes it's just time. I mean, you you look at the the last couple of years and uh Miranda uh was kind of the prospect that he was labeled as. Uh came in with the high floor, the low ceiling. I think he achieved that high floor fairly quickly and was a multi-year starter. And and certainly there's a there's a spot for that in, in every offensive line. Um, but you you looked at it and the more the more, more and more that you looked at this year, it's just like you know his 73 just kept popping up I don't know if center wasn't a good fit or if guard was his his better option um but if you're if you're surveying Penn State fans in terms of guys that they've they, they were cursing this year uh Mike Miranda came up quite a bit and you know to to his credit multi-year starter tough guy played a lot of football uh, play a lot of football when he was banged up, no doubt about it. Uh, but at the same time, um, it, sometimes it's time. And, and you can push forward through that. Um, you're going to have to replace not only Miranda, but also Rashid Walker at left tackle. You like what you saw about Avolu Fashanu. You like what you see out of Landon Tangwall. You hope you get Salim Wormley back. And then you hope to hit the portal. And I think uh, before we get to recruiting talk, I think that was a uh, that was one of the questions in the five-star mailbag. Why, why don't we just jump into that?
1: Yeah, and, and a lot of the concern about Penn State and are they going to build out another strong transfer class at least in terms of volume is on the offensive front and and that's where the question led us um things are changing every day but here's how the question was phrased as of a couple days ago um why does it seem so tricky trying to find talent on the offensive line market in the transfer portal class and does penn state ultimately come away with multiple players up front by the time next season rolls around
0: well it goes back to the big secret of offensive lines and offensive line recruiting is a lot of these guys are bad. <laughs> like we we saw Penn State's off Penn State's, Penn State's offensive line was a special kind of bad this year. I'm not gonna uh, you know try and lump them in with everyone else, but it's really hard to play offensive line these days, especially when the guy in front of you is probably the same size as you and more athletic. Um, but beyond that, I mean, you, you've got a lot of guys who have played a lot of ball. I mean, you you, you take into account uh, maybe a guy like Mike Miranda, who we were just talking about, goes into the portal. He's got three years of starting experience. He's an All Big Ten guy. On the surface, looks pretty good. Then you look at the film and and you have questions about how that kind of grades out and and you have this all over the place i think uh minnesota got a guy from michigan uh who started a few games for them and they're celebrating that and michigan guys are fine pushing him out the door i mean that's kind of what happened with antonio shelton last year from penn state perspective although it was on the other side of the ball is you know florida celebrating a transfer of a guy that's been a, a multi-year starter at a big school and then he gets there and it's it's probably not all you it's cracked up to be so it's 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 probably like that at every position in the transfer portal. But if you take a look at the offensive line, it's just so much harder to evaluate. Um, you know, you you look at the guys that that Penn State has gone after, and Hunter Norzad's a guy that we've talked about a ton. And by the way, very timely question because Penn State staff was in Georgia yesterday to meet with Norzad and his family. They were in Vander at Vanderbilt yesterday to meet with Tyler Steen, the offensive tackle uh, from for, from Vanderbilt. So uh, very timely question on this one. Um, but yeah, you got to find. It, it's the same thing as high school. You got to find the right fit, but these guys are so much more developed. It's how much of that is masked. How much of that can fit in your system? How much of that can fit with your coaching style with Phil Trout line? There's so many questions in the offensive line and what it boils down to is at a school like Penn state, there's probably only four or five guys that, that are really you now that might be shorting it a little bit, but only four or five guys that really look at what you're you're trying to fit into that that sort of square peg into the round hole situation that is the portal. Um, so you've got a guy like Norzad who doesn't, you know, if you if you're putting him beside a you know a former four or five star guy from, coming from say Michigan or Notre Dame or something like that, he's not going to be shiny. But you got to look at the prospect right now, and that's what the that's what the coaches uh, are doing in terms of how they can fit and how they can um, you know sort of. I guess tinker with what they have, and, and you've got a guy like Tyler Steen, who's who's a, probably a right tackle, but also if he goes pro, he's probably a guard. You've got those questions, and we've we've seen this with 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 offensive line recruiting. You want all the tackles that you can get, but not everybody's a tackle. Not everybody can be a good tackle. So I think that's that's what makes it so tough is these evaluations. When you've got a guy playing against uh, Ivy League competition, or you, 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 and then you put him up against a guy that's playing SEC competition, then you, if you're Phil Troutwine, you look at Eric Wilson and say, he looked great against Ivy League competition. How does that compare to what Hunter Norzad looks like? There's so many questions on the offensive line about how you can try and figure out, uh, you know, if this guy fits. To me, you got to be a little bit lenient. You got to give a little bit more um than you would say on a typical evaluation for a high school guy, maybe a junior college guy because you only have a year or two. And because that those guys aren't going to come available if they're, if they're truly good players, they're, they're going to be few and far between becoming available. We saw a kid uh, from Louisiana going to Florida this week. uh Osiris O'Connell, I think his name was Um, that's a guy that could play at a lot of schools. Um, uh, But you know, that combination or that 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 connection with Billy Napier there made it obvious that he was going to Florida from the jump. So the portal is so fascinating because there are so many subplots here at play. And with Penn State's offensive line recruiting, you've only offered three guys so far in Norzad, in Steen, and then uh Sabota that that ended up at Virginia. Sabota, I don't know that he was, you know, the best I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to dump on the kid, but I don't know that he was a great player either. I don't know that Steen's a great player. I do like Norzad a lot. I've talked to a lot of people in the college game that really like what Norzad brings to the table. So hopefully, you know, if Penn State lands him, he could be an impact guy. Uh, But yeah, the, the guys that you bring in, especially in the offensive line, it's magnified. You're not guaranteed to hit on.
1: I know Lance back there listening is keeping his fingers crossed that Rutgers plunge into the portal on the offensive line is going to pay off for them in some way, a lot of wild cards there. And you mentioned how guys, you know, who are available can become shinier than you might imagine. I think you look down at what's happening in Nashville, uh, you know, with Tyler Steen right now, there's a story up from Andrew Ivins up on 24 seven sports right now uh, about how Steen has become quite the commodity. He's played a bunch of football, started 30 plus games for Vanderbilt. But I bet you there's some people maybe in that building, maybe some people who have watched that program that are seeing this kind of Power Five interest generated in the SEC and the Big Ten and James Vanderbilt or James uh, Franklin coming back to town and and spending time with this guy. Maybe that's eye opening, and I think you know maybe in some ways a lot of people saw Noah Kane landing very quickly with an LSU. That was a bit of a surprise, I think, for people, even when you can connect the dots to Baton Rouge. Um, and, and by the way, this is all probably plays into the hope that there's a rebound for, for Noah Kane physically and health from a health standpoint. But I think, you know, you watch a guy here and you see where he may land, and you get surprised, and that kind of goes back to what we say last year at the quarterback position. Sean Clifford, you may be tired of him, but plenty of Power 5 programs rolling out the red carpet for a recruiting weekend with him. They'll probably do the same thing this year if number 14 at the portal yeah,
0: and you know what you're getting, and that's sort of the the thing. Sometimes you know too much, sometimes you don't know enough and that's kind of the fascination with the portal. Um, you you look at other positions and you know Tinsley, you know it, it, it's so easy to get wrapped up in where they come from, what their high school mm-hmm. rating was, how you know how many catches they had, things like that. It's just it, you got to go to the film and, and evaluate it and that's a tough thing to do because we saw you know, John Lovett had some pretty good film from Baylor didn't end up translating to, to to the Big Ten or to Penn State. Um, you know, Eric Wilson, of course, was was very good in the Ivy League, one of the top Ivy League offensive linemen out there. Um, didn't really, you know, translate. He started a bunch of games, but didn't really translate into a dominating performance. So that's what's tough, man. You, you've got, uh, you know, limited film. You, you can talk to people and, you know, I've talked to people around Vanderbilt who think that Steen is very talented, but just hasn't put it together. I mean, that's kind of what you're looking for. If you're, if you're an offensive lineman or excuse me, if you're an offensive line coach right now, find that guy with the untapped potential and hope you, and, and sort of cross your fingers and hope that you can get it out of them.
1: And if you're ever going to look at a position where you take a guy and maybe he doesn't have the, the college football film, the evidence hasn't been served up. It's not going to happen on the offensive line. You are not going to say those 21 year old projects are not nearly as uh, interesting or intriguing as those 17 18 year old projects
0: and and it's sort of like you know we talk about all the time with the early signing period guys that go into january and then pick up all these offers and they're not, they're not that good. Like that, that's kind of maybe what, what you see with the portal at times and coaching changes obviously play into a role here. Um, you know, comfort level, p- previous relationships, location. We're seeing a lot of location guys going from like Alabama back to Arkansas, Texas, that area. And Ole Miss is going to do really well in the portal this week. So um, there's a, there's a lot at play here. And I think that's the other thing here. You got guys that are, that are going from schools and, I don't want to say heading south, but either staying south. Uh, they're staying warmer. You know, it's uh, uh, 20 degrees out here today. So you're not seeing the the matriculation to the northern schools and the transfer portal that you might uh, see. And, and you know, maybe that's a kid being 21 years old and wanting to enjoy himself and, you know, not be cold out there. And I'm certainly not going to hold that against anybody. So uh, there's, there's so many things that you hear at play. And the offensive line, I think, is just magnified because there's there's not a ton of guys that can play at a level like Penn State. There are, you know, you mentioned Rutgers a while ago. They they're bringing in four transfer offensive linemen. That's either going to go pretty well or spectacularly horrible. I mean, I can't I can't see a scenario where they you hit on every single guy. Now, if you have the space and you have the ability to do that, which Rutgers does, you take that chance. But yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to see how that one plays out.
1: And, and I, just because someone's going to ask and follow up there. They'd ask multiple players at the position for for Penn position. To, it means the entire offensive line room, and you reserve the right to change your mind here. But where we stand here, mid January, do you see Penn State bringing in two players with college experience in the offensive line room?
0: That's what they're trying to do. Um, I, you know, you never know how it's going to uh, turn out because guys are are making decisions based on what's best for them, and you know that might not be the no brainer. You look at uh, you know a top five uh, for a guy that's playing at Cornell in New, in New York, and Penn State sort of jumps off the, the page. But you know that that might not always be the case. It might be playing time. It might be going back close to home. Auburn's there on the list. Iowa, obviously produces ridiculous amounts of, of offensive linemen, Brett Billima as a, as a heck of an offensive line coach. So you look at that top five for, for Hunter Norzad and you can make an argument for a bunch of schools. It's not always the the biggest school as we often see in the, in the high school recruiting. So yeah, I think that, that does make sense. Yeah. I mean, in a perfect world that they, they, they get steam, they get Norzad, they throw Norzad there in the interior. You Put uh, Steen at tackle, or maybe play him at guard as well. I, I think he wants to play tackle, so that's uh, that's something that hopefully you can sell to him as a potential open spot there. Um, but yeah, I think they I think they try to get to, I mean, you, you you saw this offensive line. Everybody saw this offensive line this year. They need as much help as they can get, and even if these guys don't come in and start, at least you're making that opportunity, or making that chance are taking that chance, excuse me, as I stumble all over myself, you're taking that chance and adding what you perceive to be talent uh, to 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 uh, stoke some competition in there.
1: Bit of a, a mid episode mailbag there before we get to Brian Doan, national recruiting analyst with 24/7 Sports. One thing to note here, Sean, because we mentioned all those super seniors who are like, going to be either finishing up with football elsewhere or are finished up with football. Discluding Sean Clifford and and, and Jonathan Sutherland, uh, six-year guys, Chris Stoll is back. Um, here's who's left for, for maybe facing that decision for 2018. I just wanted to note this. Uh, from the 2018 recruiting class, I should say, Juice Scruggs, Nick Tarburton, Charlie catchier Bryce Eftner. That's really it. Uh, I may have missed a guy. If I did, I apologize, but I was quickly going through the 2018 recruiting class because you can pretty much put a bow on that 2017 group now in the 2018 class, which was a top-five class. Those are the guys who a year from now we're going to be talking about, will they, won't they, is there room for them? And I guess this is going to be a yearly thing until we eventually cycle through anyone who was on a roster during the COVID impacted years. Yeah, I'm, I'm
0: curious to see how this shakes itself out because it's it's one of those things where if, you're, if you were a younger guy um, cycling through, it's probably not as big a deal. But if you're one of those guys that you just mentioned, a fifth, potentially six-year guy next year, this pandemic has probably worn down on you in terms of football like the it, it's hard to play college football it's it it seems great for for a lot of these guys in terms of the glory and things like that but that's a grind and adding a pandemic on top of that you wonder how many of these guys are going to be burnt out by the end of it so i don't think that's just a penn state thing i think that's going to be nationwide you might see some guys yeah. that are you know just ready to get on with life and certainly couldn't blame them
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's not so much the football, but it's everything in your life that requires so much rigid structure. And you're looking at the 18, 19 year old guy who may need it. You're 23, 24. you got this other part of your life coming up. It's hard to stick within that routine uh, if you're not all in and you've got to be all in to survive it for a year round deal. Um, We promise we'd turn our attention to recruiting. We're going to do that with Brian doing as we often do here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Kind enough to join us here on the Alliance 24-7 podcast. And Brian, it's great to have you back. Penn State, great to see junior days back because it's been a couple of years since we had seen those take place in the winter. You spoke with a bunch of these guys coming out of campus. I guess your initial thoughts before we dive into it, how did Penn State handle themselves this past weekend?
2: Well, first of all, it's a complete honor that usually I only get the bearded one, but for you to join, man, (laughs) I'm either living right or living wrong, so I'm not sure on that. But uh, I I think it was exactly what Penn State wanted. It wasn't some overwhelming 70 kids, you know, 200 kids whiteout type stuff. It was more intimate to where they were able to spend a lot of time with the kids, um, really show them the campus, all that other stuff. And it's like you said, you know because you had to play catch-up last year and you couldn't get kids on campus until June and everything was moving forward and geared toward 22, this was really the 23's first time to really, you know, as a collective group, sit down, talk to the coaches, watch some film, tour campus, go through those presentations of academics that the parents love and the kids can't stand, Um, just, just get through all that stuff and kind of get back to a normal cycle, maybe 23 will will be a normal cycle again. And, and the feedback from it was great. And you can always tell the feedback on how quick the kids want to get back to you. And they got back very quickly.
0: Don, was there anybody that got back, especially quickly? I know you and I talked about this uh, the other day. Uh, You know, it's, it it is so funny to think about uh, how that interest level is is gauged in different ways and, and guys that get back to you right away. And maybe, maybe it's not Penn State. Maybe it's the fact that these guys haven't been on a junior day. Maybe these guys haven't been around as much as these other guys. But is there anybody that jumps out to you and, and you're coming away thinking, man, Penn State is probably in a good spot, maybe even better than we thought.
2: Uh, Tamir Robinson, uh, you know, the edge linebacker, whatever we want to call him out of Pittsburgh, Brashear, um, you know, it was almost as soon as he left campus, he got back to me and said, I said, Hey, here's what I need. And he's like, all right, let's do it. Um, Likes Penn state a lot, you know, talked about how Penn state was the school. He really liked, you know, growing up and, and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, for him and, and to be able to sit down with Manny Diaz, which was big, I mean, you know, Don't forget, when you had coaching changes in the past couple cycles, these kids had to do everything through WebEx and all that other stuff. I mean, he got a chance to go to campus and talk to Manny Diaz about, hey, here's how we envision you in the defense. And, you know, I I think Tamir uh, will have a lot of great options, even though, you know, he he got hurt at the end of the year, pretty significant knee injury. If anybody saw the photo of him at midfield, I think that he posted on Twitter, you could see the knee brace there. But for him to, you know, use the first weekend to get to Penn State um, and then spend so much time with the coaching staff. And he already knows how much James Franklin wants him and, and a lot of the other guys there want him. But to be able to speak with Manny Diaz about, hey, here's your fit, uh, I, I think that was really important. And I, and I think he left I, – I always thought Penn State was in a, in a good spot with him, and I know you did two fits, but uh, I, I left it thinking even more. And no, I'm not ready to put in a pick yet.
1: It was coming. You knew the qu- They are, those questions are definitely coming here. Um, Joan, you talked for a while during the pandemic when Penn State was really having a, a touch and go dicey situation throughout the 2021 recruiting trail about how they were missing, especially just the campus experience, getting guys into town. This was a cold January Saturday in Happy Valley. Fortunately, they got in before the snowstorm that hit on Sunday into Monday. Uh, But, you know, it's a cold day. There's not a ton going on around the valley right now if you're not into outdoor skiing or or sitting down inside, maybe having some brews. What stands out about the recruiting experience, even when it's, you know, a a chilly day in central PA?
2: Well, I mean, I think the first thing you got to look at is – These kids all think they're going to the NFL, so they don't really care about a lot of that stuff. The second thing is, you know, you take guys like Quentin Martin, Tamir Robinson, Musa Kane. I mean, just go down the list. Fletcher Westfall. I mean, whoever. I mean, they don't live in Fiji. I mean, you know, it it was cold in Pittsburgh. It was cold in New York. It was cold in New Jersey. It was cold in Maryland. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, know it's the same ones you know if if we're going to talk about the cold and how that campus impacts them then we can't turn around and talk about how great playing in front of one hundred and seven thousand people are because you only do it seven days a year so it's the whole package and and what makes penn state great is from the parent side of things it's the alumni pipeline it's the kids that graduate it's the way they feel like their kids are going into a, a good structured safe environment and a, and a really good community and then for the players they they all think they're going to the NFL they want to get developed and to stand in front of the coaches or sit in front of the coaches and have that ability to look them straight in the eye look I got a 16 year old at home and he he does some you know he talks to people on the phone and you don't know where his mind is. You don't know where, you know, whatever they're thinking of when you're doing WebExes for an hour and a half, you don't have their undivided attention and your personality doesn't shine through as much as it does in person. And so when you put Penn state's coaching staff and particularly James Franklin, who's so charismatic in front of families, you, you cannot replicate that through video. I mean, and, and so Getting them back on campus, they're doing everything that they're supposed to do. It's not something extraordinary that they're doing. This is why James Franklin is who he is. He recruited well at Vanderbilt. You know, he, he recruits well at Penn State because he's very charismatic. He's believable and he's easy to relate to for families and for prospects.
0: And for our listeners and our viewers on YouTube, we could say the same about Doan. His full personality does not come through <laughs> hey. on, on the YouTube. So.
2: Vince, is your is your wife okay after you made her do all the shoveling of all that snow? <laughs> she is.
0: She's great. So um, <laughs> now, so this weekend, uh, Phil Troutwine well, very busy. A lot of offensive linemen on campus. Uh, you go down the list and you let you like. Uh, uh, sorry, I gotta. A visitor in here. You got Sam Pendleton, right. uh, the offensive lineman from North Carolina. I think he impressed a lot of people this weekend. Yeah. Very, you know, high academic kid. Great, one of those guys that that gets back to you with with great answers and things like that. And that's uh, certainly, you know, he, he I think he's on the rise in, in the rankings nationally after a good performance down in San Antonio. Um, you have Evan Link, who we talked about as a big big uh, target for Penn State. Very important target, I think, for Penn State as a natural tackle in your uh, in in your footprint well, down oh, in
2: <laughs> Sorry, we don't so need I to pissed. start
0: with that. Yeah, the, the board <laughs> has enough of that right now. Uh, Evan Link from Gonzaga, of course. Olufashanu came from Gonzaga as well. Samson Oak and Lola was up. Uh, you mentioned Fletcher Westball, even though he's a he's a twenty twenty four. This kid's six eight plus. I mean, is absolutely yeah. huge tackle body. And then uh, and then Anthony Danka, who really we haven't talked about a ton. He's got a couple of and, offers and right now. To. Yeah, he's he's yeah. completely unknown. Um, on I think he's got Penn State and West Virginia right now, but I think that'll change. Uh, you know, he could be a p- potential tackle. Looks like there's some potential tackles, but a lot of talent on, on on hand this weekend in the offensive line room.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm really glad you brought that up because you know when I'm dealing with stuff all over the region with visitors and everything. Um, it's easy for it to slip my mind that just how good the offensive linemen were that visited. And that doesn't even include Jasir Peterson from Union City, who didn't have an offer, decommitted from Rutgers so he can go visit, did not get offered on the visit. And I was told that they want to continue to evaluate him moving forward. But I, I think, Fitz, I'm glad you bring up Pendleton because, yeah, he, he's a kid that's going to push to be a top 247 kid after what he did down in uh, All-American Bowl at the Combine. And Anthony Donka is, you know, he, he doesn't come from a play, you know, what is it, Leesburg, right? Um, yeah. I, it's I'll a new it's in a school, school in
0: that. It's a new school there. It is. Right?
2: I, I yeah. think it's the same school that Bryce Duke went to, who signed with Virginia Tech. But uh, he's Light long. Ridge, yeah. He Oh, that's right. It is Light Ridge. It's Yeah. My, I'm thinking Aldi Light Ridge. I'm thinking of some, something else. But anyway, um, so you're looking at Donka, who is a long, athletic kid who moves very well, has a ton of potential, and he has a ton of room for growth through his frame, through his technique. He's athletic as can be. I, I you know, when I wrote the story uh, for Lions two four seven, I'm, I'm not going to lie; I thought there'd be a lot more action on it with people. Um, saying, you know, given their thoughts on what kind of prospect he was and the importance of Penn State to get him, then it, it goes back to what you said. He, he's relatively unknown, hasn't done many interviews. He, he's a great kid to talk to. I mean, he's, he's a lot of fun to talk to. Uh, and, and I just feel like that's a kid Penn State needs to get. Pendleton, if they can pull Pendleton out of North Carolina, I think that would be a great, a great get for them. I think with the amount of schools that recruit North Carolina – it's not an easy thing to do. Now, clearly, they'll get kids out of North Carolina, but but it's not as easy as getting a kid maybe from um, Aldi, which is I, I from looking at the map, it looks like it's kind of west of Washington D.C. kind of deal. Um, but you know, there's just so many kids out there on the offensive line, and Oak and Lola visiting was huge. You know, his brother signed with Pitt in the 22 class. Getting him on campus was enormous. You know, he went to Georgia. He's been to Florida. So kind of building that relationship. Now, they know Troutwine from his time at B.C., and Trout Wine's still pretty well known up in New England. But, yeah, you, you look at it, and, and they have already a pair of commitments in the class on the offensive line, and that's a great start. But it was really an impressive offensive lineman list.
0: Well, before we get into the next question, I mean, you have kind of found yourself at this crossroads in the last couple of cycles. Now, when they were allowed to visit, that, that, that's a big difference from from last year. But you get a lot of interest early. You got guys talking up, Trout Wine, Lime Grover, whomever it is. Um, you get guys on campus, you know, remember guys like Tristan Lee, Wyatt Millam, Nolan Rucci, guys like that. Now it's about finishing. So You've got to yeah. get these guys back at some point. You know, you look at the, how the calendar works out. And these guys are probably going to go elsewhere the next two weekends. Then you're going to have that dead period in February and come back at it and try and visit for spring break or spring practice or something like that. That's when your next wave of visit happens um, after that February dead period. But I, you know, the, the the I don't want to say the pressure is on Phil Troutwine, but he's he's got to get some things done here. And you get you look at guys like Link. I mean, he's a, he's a guy right in your backyard backyard essentially. You've got program connections there with Gonzaga. Now, he's going to visit Stanford at the end of the month, and I think that's a really important trip for him. But that's a, a very gettable guy, and that's a guy that you should get if you're Penn State. And then, you know, Pendleton's probably a little bit on the outside looking in, but you want to position yourself to be in with Okunlola. Okunlola is kind of all over the place, and I don't think that's a surprise after watching his brother go through the 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 the, uh, the process in the last cycle. Um, but, yeah, you want to position yourself, and, and it's great that you have a couple of commits already and potentially a third in Mega Barnwell because he could play on the offensive line, can play on the defensive line, It's hard to say, but if you're looking to throw numbers at a position, I mean, you got to set yourself up, and you got to finish. If you're Phil Troutline.
2: yeah, I I think the the the, they're all great points. The one thing I'll differ with you on a little bit is Evan Link with you know, Gonzaga, on whether he goes to Stanford or Penn State or what happens there. Stanford's a different animal, and and there when you can get a kid in early, and you're talking about a a school at Gonzaga where obviously academics are paramount as well. if Penn State lost Evan Link to to Stanford, it, it would be disappointing and crushing, but it would be understandable. I mean, I, I'll, I'll never fault the program for losing a kid to Stanford, That's um, just the way I look at things, um, you know, just because of what that degree can mean, and, and it's no disrespect to any other degree, but um, it, it is... It is just something different and having lived out there for a long time, you know, I understand the power of it a lot. Um, But, yeah, you're right with these other guys. I mean, how how do you make the leap to be that elite program, to, to be a contender for the college football playoff? Well, you do it by being able to run the ball in the Big Ten. You do it by being able to protect your quarterback. And you got to make sure that you're bringing in those offensive linemen. And and I think when you go back and, I mean, we've talked about this a lot, they've had good offensive linemen. They've had some that were better than good, but across the board, they need to be great. And, and, you know, they, they need to get these kind of kids. It's great to develop them. It's great to teach them, but it's a heck of a lot easier to teach and develop some kid who's six, six and really athletic than some kid who's six, four and, kind of athletic.
0: Yeah. And the other thing to add to that is two offensive linemen signed in the 2022 offense or in the 2022 class, two offensive linemen signed in the 2021 class and Nate Bruce didn't make it to, to summer practice. So you've got an opportunity to throw numbers at, at it. And I think that that's kind of what you have to do at this point. You can't just keep relying on the portal, relying, relying on junior college.
2: No. And and I heard you guys talking about it before when, when I was waiting to, to join you guys and the, the portal thing for offensive linemen and defensive linemen, is really skewed. Whereas, because there's so few of them, because everybody needs guys on the line of scrimmage, schools get involved with kids that you would not think they should be involved with just because there's not a lot of guys out there. And then you're talking about you know, the offensive lineman from Cornell. Now, he's a grown man who's been in strength program for a few years, and so he's somebody that can come in and play and patch a hole right away. And so more people are going to jump on him because maybe some younger kid isn't in the program. And you're, you're seeing it across the country with stuff. It, it, sometimes kids get offers and, and first time I'll be like, really? And then I'll do a little more digging. I'll be like, oh, OK, it makes sense. Their guy's not ready yet to play and this guy can come play for a year.
1: Uh, A name that kind of jumped off the list of visitors and someone that you caught up with here, Jaden Bonsu out of uh, St. Peter's prep in New Jersey. Um, Some questions about him because there is no rating ranking yet. And people always wonder what with a kid like that, the offer list, can you kind of shine the light on the prospect here and why it was so important for him
2: to make this trip to Penn state. Well, he wanted to get there. First of all, I mean, he's been trying to get there for a while. Um, Yeah. I mean, a lot of these kids will have ratings, you know, by the end of the week, uh, I I've taken a different tack this year. Instead of just slapping ratings on kids at, at you know certain times, sit there get it get a full look at what they were as juniors and and get some ratings on on the tapes there because their sophomore seasons in in many cases were so disjointed. Even if they were playing games, I mean you talk about St. Peter's Prep with Jaden Bonso. So, you know St. Peter's Prep when you know two years ago they played two games where they didn't practice before the games because of COVID stuff. And so, you know, trying to just take your time with that, if you didn't see the kids in camp, which I had not seen Jaden in camp, so I got to see him in person this year. Um, The thing that's really interesting with Jaden is, I talked to a few people about him and and the thought process is, well, A, is he gonna be able to run well enough to play safety, but B, there's some talk about maybe he'll turn into a linebacker in college and 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 that's kind of that's always my mentality now is you know how much how big can these kids get and can you move them closer to the line of scrimmage to increase your speed at the line of scrimmage because that's what you need in the college game um so for for a kid like bonsu he wanted to get there I, i spoke with somebody on tuesday morning who said oklahoma absolutely loves him um brent venable's is all over him in, t- in terms of you know recruiting him, was when he was with Clemson, now at Oklahoma. Jaden's supposed to visit there in late January. So we'll we'll see what happens there, but he, he loved it. He wanted to get there. He had not been to campus before. Um, and again, St. Peter's Prep plays a lot of Saturday games, so it's, it's hard for him to get there for games in the fall. So um, yeah, I think he's a guy to really keep an eye on just in terms of what position He's gonna to project to how schools see him. And I know people with, with St. Peter's Prep and, and Penn State, it's you know, it, it, it is what it is. But I try to look at each case individually and this kid genuinely is interested in Penn State.
0: I'm not falling for it. No, I'm not gonna not gonna say anything. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you mentioned a guy earlier, and maybe one of the more talented guys that visited, regardless of class, Quinton Martin, the running back slash athlete uh, from Belvern in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, 2024 kid, six one and a half, six, two, 190. Very right. very talented. Um, just kind of, I think we have him at number forty in the 2024 four rankings. Um, Quentin Martin has been on campus a bit. He's close with guys like Lamont Payne, uh, guys like Tamir Robinson. So um, is he that next big thing you would say in Western Pennsylvania?
2: Yeah. I mean, right now that's what the rankings say. Um, and yeah. And I, and I think, you know, these are kids that I've talked to, even though he's a 24, I've had, I've had plenty of dealings with them and, and he's an impressive kid. And like you said, he's six, one, six, two. So you wonder, uh, will he be a running back? Will he morph into something else um, in college when he continues to fill out? But out of all the times I've dealt with Quentin, and again, I mean, for people watching this, they can see, uh, you know, I'm old. So maybe I forgot. But for him to say that Penn State was his dream school growing up, I, I, didn't, I didn't remember that or I didn't know that, whichever one you want to take. And I thought that was significant. And he told me that he's not going to pass up an opportunity to go visit Penn State. And you're talking about, you know, same with Tamir, you're talking about kids that could have visited anywhere, right? They could have gone anywhere they wanted, whether it was Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State, whatever, somewhere down south in the ACC or SEC. And they both chose to go to Penn State for a visit. And I think that is significant because they can get to Penn State whenever they really want to because of the distance and for them to both choose it. And, and, and Quentin now is in basketball season too, so it's not like he has all this free time and he chose to go to Penn State. And, and I think that's significant. And I think Penn State, again, I'm not putting in a pick yet. He's a 24. We'll we'll address it later. But he, I, I think Penn State sits far above everybody else right now.
0: Yeah, so I, I, I would. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No, I, I, th- I thought you were jumping back. That's because I, that's uh, I you know.
2: spoke so shortly on that one.
0: Yeah, you usually do. usually do. I well, know I heard you I heard you say crystal ball and I was like, oh, he's going to he's going to do something here. And then I was going to ask if he could help beat Ohio State. So that's kind of how we go with it. <laughs> So a weekend like this, big picture, Penn State gets not only you know a bunch of top prospects from the region, but also Derek LeBlanc from and and right. John Walker from the Orlando area. You and I were just down in Orlando a few weeks ago. It's a much different area than it is uh, than is Central Pennsylvania in January right now. Um, but yeah, the appeal of these things, and I think uh, Tyler has a, a, a five star question that we're going to get, or a five star mailbag question that we'll get to eventually. But um, the the appeal of these things. On a general sense, you've got schools that are positioning themselves to make a first impression coming out of the winter break. You've got schools that are trying to set up for that last weekend in January. Penn State's going to host guys every weekend. But I think you saw the uh, the invitations was for the first weekend for the last weekend. Um, how much of this race is going to set them apart in, in setting the table for the 2023 class? Basically, how important is this time period for this cycle right now for all, in in the, in the big picture in this class?
2: Yeah, it's significant in in this in a couple of standpoints for me. First of all, you hit it uh, you hit it on the head. Getting a guy like Sam Pendleton on campus, who you know is going to visit a bunch of other places, right? Who Clemson so offered you major,
0: this, yeah, just the other day, right, yeah,
2: right. So you make you make an initial impression with him, and and this, so so he has that. And you always save stuff for later on for guys like Pendleton. Hey, we need you back to campus so you can see x y or z or and z so i think it's important from that you look at a kid like evan link who visited penn state doesn't have anything coming up for the next two weeks and then he's going to go visit stanford and i get the sense that it's going to be between those two schools right now unless something else changes and so for him it may be important from hey we need to go all out and show him everything right now because he could decide at any moment after he gets back from stanford does he want to get it done early or do we try to get him back later so i think you know for me it's always good to get the first shot in this january window um, because you want to make sure a they're fresh they can't wait to get out and learn about your program because they haven't done it yet by the end of january it could be their second third fourth fifth visit and maybe their attention span isn't as long. Maybe they're a little weary or they've heard the same thing time and again. You know, you get to hear now, oh, that's the same thing Penn State told me instead of, hey, that's the same thing South Carolina told me the same thing Ohio State told me. Um, but for the most part, you're, you're using this January visit to, A, impress the family and make sure they understand the academic and graduation portion of it. And B, set it up to get them back on campus again in what March, early March, when you can get them there, um, and and so and then from there you're going to try to get them back for either a spring practice or the spring game. Um, so for each kid, it, it should set up differently based on when they want to make decisions. But uh, to to get them earlier to me is always huge. I mean, Penn State clearly wanted a lot of their top prospects on this weekend. And so they did a good job, especially on the offensive line.
0: When, when Here's- does name image, when does name image and likeness come into play here? Like, cause this is, this is something that we're watching in real time change. And, and it's so important for these guys and, and these 23 and 24 guys are seeing, guys that are two years older than them starting to get paid and and that's you know dollar signs in the eyes can change a lot of things for a lot of people um how much time do you spend if you're penn state talking about nil because i I've, I've said it before i don't think penn state is on the forefront of this in at all so i, I think that there it's probably a minimum on that uh from from their angle but when does that all come into play especially in this cycle when we think it's going to be a fairly important uh tipping point for some guys
2: You know, I agree that it'll be a tipping point for some guys. And I think to say that Penn State is behind a little bit. I don't know. I I feel like there's a handful of programs that are out in front of everybody else. And I feel like a lot of people are trying to figure out how to do it. Now, I've heard different approaches where some programs. Now, look, technically, they're not allowed to hook up NILs, right?
0: That's that's a very important. Yeah. Thanks for saying that, because that's a very important distinction. That that does not come from the staff. That comes from the people around the, the university. Yeah.
2: Now, I mean, you know, the NCAA has so much power that I'm sure they're going to investigate every school on how they're handling NILs. I mean, you know.
0: So anyway, well, the rules are so but, clear. I
2: mean, <laughs> well, I mean, there is that, but to me, and and I always, Fitz, you know me, man. I'm I'm usually. I don't like to make snap decisions. I don't like to just jump on board with, with what popular thought is. So my question now becomes what happens with NIL stuff. And in terms of, can you, are kids jumping to go get 50 grand or hundred K for NIL deals and, and part of, and that factors into the decisions. But what will be the long-term ramifications of that, right? And so I look at a kid like Travis Hunter who's going to Jackson State, which I think from an NIL perspective is outstanding for him. And here's why. If he just would have signed with Florida State or flipped to Georgia, he'd be another guy. Now everybody in the country knows who he is, so his branding is much bigger. Now Jackson State has to develop him because he's the number one player in the country, and so Jackson State has to develop him into a number into a first round draft pick in theory because that's what we that's what we think of him. And so if you don't develop, if you if you're a kid to take and I'm not saying for Jackson State cuz I mean he's a he's a defensive player a, a D back going to play for Dion, so you would think he'd get developed. But you take a kid pick any other school in the country who wants to jump at the the $50,000 NIL deal that he's going to get. But maybe he doesn't play like he should. Maybe he doesn't develop like he should. And how much is that costing you on the back end? How much is it, hey, I jumped for 50K here, but I could have gone to this other school, developed more, been in the NFL and made 40 million instead of a million or 500K. Or I got hurt. My NIL stuff was gone. And this degree isn't nearly as powerful for this other school that I could have gone to. So I, I think it's really simple to sit here and jump all over the NIL stuff and go, "Oh, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this." In reality, I, I still want to see how all this stuff plays out.
1: Dung, we did have a five-star mailbag question, which we thought would be appropriate for you um, because it, it is interesting. I'm a one
2: star, so it's the other way.
1: No, 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 no. It's 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 a nice opportunity for people to hear from. Someone else than us on the subjects which we have been talked about a lot of late. Penn State, oh, eleven Penn State is eleven and eleven since twenty twenty. Th- I think you know that, and yet they just signed a top ten recruiting class that they got to the finish line with without losing guys as the team went downhill in November into December, and they also have a top ten recruiting class set up for them early on in twenty twenty three. Question is, how has this worked out for Penn State? Whereas you see teams dealing with losses on the field, not translating to their classes imploding, hasn't really been the case for Penn State in, let's say, the last 15, 16 months.
0: And let me break in yeah. here. I'm excited for someone else to answer it, too. So go ahead. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I, I mean, after I answer, I'd, I'd, I'd like you know quick quick thoughts from you guys on it because I'm curious and I, I can't listen to everything that you guys always do. But I, I, think, I think it's multifaceted with this stuff. And I think for me, it begins with, this part of the country is different than many other parts of the country when it comes to decommitments and schools trying to flip kids and kids willing to visit other places once they're committed to a school. I mean, everybody's, oh, what does a commitment mean? What does a commitment mean these days? Well, you know what? That's unfair to probably 95% of the kids, if not higher, who who stay true to the commitment and don't make visits. So that that's the first part. It's, it's kind of like this part of the country. Second... Um, most of these commitments took place before the season started and Penn State, look, you take 2020 and whatever, right? Again, I know Penn State didn't miss games, but did they miss practices? What, what was it like? How many guys were missing practices because they were waiting for tests or tested positive and didn't play or, you know, it, it, it was so disjointed that, To me, 2020 is really easy to wash away. Um, Now, if you went eight and one, you're not going to wash it away because it's recruiting. So you try to use every advantage. And then you look at this past year. Yeah, they, they struggled. But if their quarterback didn't get hurt, I maintain they would have been much better, which, again, is easy to explain away. It's easy to – you've already had these great relationships with all these kids who are committed. It's not like they're looking for a reason to jump. They're looking for more reason to believe and tell their friends in school and tell the other recruits and commits and younger kids, hey, this is why I chose them. It's just, you know, the quarterback got hurt, but look at all this other stuff we have in place. It's it's about relationships. The only time recruiting – is no longer about relationships at, at high level programs is when that coach is about to get fired because it's really hard to recruit against that. And James Franklin is not about to get fired. I mean, shoot, he just signed a 10 year deal. So you can explain a lot of it away. He's a very believable person when you, I mean, you guys deal with him a, enough, you know, with press conferences, and I'm sure you, you see him around and chat a little bit, um after press conferences or whatever and you kind of know who he is he he is a very influential and believable person and so why would you decommit and then I I go back to it look kids are picking Penn State because they want to play football at Penn State but parents aren't in their ear going hey maybe you should look here very often because of the graduation and because of the degree and because of the alumni pipeline so you know to me wins and losses matter when you're going to go when you're trying to move from 10 and 2 to 12 and 0 in recruiting and it matters when your coach is on the hot seat other than that it's relationships and building
0: yeah if you and if you are good at this you can spin anything you want i mean recruiting is as funny as it is to um to follow recruiting which is a lot of pessimism you know it's a, unless you're Georgia or Texas A&M these days it's a lot of pessimism recruiting's all about optimism and that's that's how you sell it to these kids is is you are the missing piece this is what happened to us this is what happened to Sean Clifford hey in 2015 we went 7 and 6 but in 2016 we won the Big 10 title so we can turn it we've shown that we can turn it around quick quick there are so many possible ways to to spin this one on its head and these kids are ready to believe i think that's the thing that everybody forgets yeah
2: Yes. Yeah. And, and it's funny but you say that because it's like, OK, if you're Alabama, right, you're sitting there and you're going, hey, come here. Your competition every day at practice is going to be off the charts. You're going to be practicing against offense. You know, if you're a DN, you're going to be practicing against NFL offensive tackles. And, and then if Bama would happen to go six and six, which they didn't, because I can't imagine, you know, be a little bit of an, a message board would be interesting. But, you know, if but if you're if you're not if you have a bad year, you're like, hey, we need you to get back to where we were kind of deal. And so, yeah, it's it's. I mean, these guys do this with a 100 kids per coach per year for 20 to 30 years. They, they, they kind of know what they're doing.
1: It is pretty remarkable. 2019, it was kind of like you are the one you are the class that can take it from a 10 win, 11 win team to the college football playoff and break through. And now I'd imagine there's something that you're gonna prove that this was an, an, an anomaly. The last two seasons were an anomaly and, and, the, and the program is is proceeding to new heights. Um, and, and I did wanna pick your brain real quick because you've seen a lot of two quarterback classes and they are not usually something that's a stain on the same campus very long. James Franklin has done it twice here at Penn State previously. In each case, one of those passers left campus by the time their second college season rolled around. Drew Aller, Bo Prevula now underway with classes on campus. They're going to have that spring ball with Mike Yurcich. Brian, what do you think is the most important thing about making a two-quarterback class work? And through your impressions of this to two guys on the recruiting cycle, what do you think Penn State did to their quarterback room this month in adding them?
2: Well, first of all, it's almost impossible to make a two quarterback class work, and because this isn't running back where you alternate guys in, and you can make it work for a little bit of time, but eventually, if you're playing two quarterbacks, you have none, right? It's it's the old adage. So eventually, that stuff works itself out. I think, though, with these two, with 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 Drew and Bo, it's a little different because Bo is kind of the local kid who has some position versatility. If you ever want it to go that route and and put him in the secondary, you can do that. And he's a kid that, you know, thought highly of Penn state for a very long time and, and it's his dream to go there. Um, so you don't know how it's going to work out and, and see a kid that wants to stick in the program. If he doesn't play right away, is he content sticking in the program and waiting out his turn because eventually you figure it will come. Um, I mean in and in, in Drew Larr, I think it's really interesting with Sean Clifford coming back. You know, we talk about how the transfer portal impacts things. Drew Larr is gonna to wanna to play, right? I mean, you you're not coming in as as that highly ranked player at quarterback without the desire to play and without thinking that you can play to some degree, and then you have Sean Clifford there. So I think I think James Franklin and the staff are going to have to figure out how to have them both play and, and yet it still be Sean Clifford's team while Drew Allard gets some experience. But, I mean, I, I don't I don't have a problem with bringing in two quarterbacks because you almost have to protect yourself these days about bringing in one. I mean, your numbers in that room can drop drastically and suddenly. Um, and so you have to make sure you at least have a, a competent backup at all times, as, as Penn State saw last season, um, so to me, I think you're. I think you'll see more two class, you know, two quarterback classes moving forward. Not a ton of them, but you'll have more. I, I think it's something that you'll really have to keep an eye on. And you know, the other thing with the portal is, you're if you're Penn State, a you better not be going to the portal very often to find a starting quarterback. And it's tough to find a backup quarterback in the portal. Like nobody's leaving because, geez, I, I know I'm not playing here, but I really don't want to play here, so I'll go there, <laughs> right? So it's almost to tougher me, to find
0: a backup <laughs> than a starter. Oh, you know, right? it
2: is. Sure, so, yeah. I mean, you know, some of them are backups that wound up starting, but yes, you're right. Um, I mean, backup level player, but yeah. So to me, you take two and you, and you kind of reevaluate. it. And then the other thing with Penn State is, look, I think highly of Bo Probert. I think he's a really good quarterback. Fitz and I had seen him live um, and throw, and and he does a lot of good things. Um, and you watch his tape, and, and he's dynamic on tape and productive. So at least, you know, you figure as a local, you can keep him around for a little bit. And then the flip side is recruiting a 23 quarterback at Penn State is not going to be easy because, in theory, you have this guy that's going to be there for the next couple of years. So to get a high-level quarterback behind him – I think is a challenge, it can be done because you watch it get done at other places. I mean, you watch what Ohio State had in the quarterback room last year, but now you turn around and you look and see what they have this year coming in. Um, And it just tells you how, how difficult that position is to manage.
0: Don, since the last time we talked to you, Neo Avery committed to Penn State. Mm. You and I are both big Neo Avery fans. Penn State yes. took him as a tight end. Uh, we have him as an edge rusher, I believe. He's this is a conversation we're going to be having for a long time. Uh, where does he fit in, and how does you know how does he stack up among the the commits Penn State has right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think he's an edge, flat out. I, I know Penn State took him as a tight end. I, I watched him play in the WCAC title game in November. And his biggest impact was as an edge, knowing that is a premium position that can alter football games much more than a tight end can alter football games, even though a tight end can. Um, And his talent level, his length, his explosion, his burst, his athleticism, his room for growth, not only physically, but from a technique standpoint. he better be one heck of a tight end if that's what you're going to keep him as and whatever, whatever you need to, whatever he's going to come in as, it'll all sort itself out just like it will with mega Barnwell. Um, That's something for Penn state to worry about in their different rooms on, on the numbers there. But I I view him as an edge. I, I think he can be an absolute stud as an edge player there because of his height, his length and all the other stuff I mentioned, he gets after the quarterback. He was so quick getting up the field. And now he did not have a huge impact in rushing the quarterback from play to play. And he still has to learn how to, you know, take on a block in the run game when they're going to run at him and deal with that stuff. But he's so athletic as a defensive end, and his frame can easily hold 250. I, I just, I don't know. I would not play him at tight end just because I think he can be so dynamic as a defensive and edge kind of guy.
1: Neil Avery, commitment number six in a 2023 Penn State class, currently ranked third in the composite rankings nationally. Brian Doan, awesome stuff uh, as always here from you on the podcast. Uh, I'm glad I was invited to the party this time. Um, I I know I always haven't been able to step in, so it was appreciated. Uh, And Brian, don't be a stranger. I, I know we'll talk to you real
2: soon here on the podcast. Yeah, I appreciate you guys for having me on.
1: All right. Well, Sean, as usual, we always go a long time with Brian. Um, and I know you you catch up with him on a pretty much a daily basis, but dropped a lot there. He's been busy up on the site, lines247.com. For our VIP members, you've been following his coverage before the junior day, since the junior day. And he's always at it. So uh once again, plenty there to, to for our listeners to kind of work their way through, I think.
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, a couple more things before we head out here. Don is a northeast guy, so there's a couple of guys that we didn't touch on that you know can can circle back around. But I don't think it'll be the last time you hear the names. But I mentioned uh, Derek LeBlanc and John Walker up from Florida this weekend. Good trips for both of them, even though it was. Freaking freezing out here, um, but uh, those guys were certainly impressed. I think you're just kind of setting the table for maybe a summer official visit, something like that. And then Adarius Redmond was a late addition to the visit list from uh, from the uh, from Tennessee. Wide receiver, really, really impressed by Penn State this weekend. That's something, that's a name that I think we'll probably hear again. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just a very successful weekend uh, in terms of setting the table. This, this was never a weekend that we expected a commitment or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, I think that that's probably what you take out of this junior day. And and hopefully, if you're Penn State, have a stack a couple more on top of it and get these guys back on campus in
1: March. Yeah, some more opportunities uh, upcoming. And, of course, the official visit window uh, looms large once we get into the spring. Uh, That's going to do it for this episode of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Before the next one, and anytime, follow along for coverage of the Nittany Lions recruiting and football and basketball teams on lions247.com. VIP subscription currently available for 33% off. Uh, On behalf of Sean, Lance, and a big thanks to Brian, I'm Tyler Donahue. We'll talk to you next time on the Lions 24-7 podcast.